You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that is shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Morning, Joe. Good morning, Pat. How are you? Very well, thank you. <laughs> Good. Not so stormy today. No, no, not so stormy, not so stormy. I think we're both kind of, um, we're both waking back up, aren't we, to kind of uh, 2022. So, um, you know, I think for those listening overseas, you get this inflection point it um you know australia and other kind of i guess uh more southern countries is that kind of end of january is kind of it's it's back to back to school but it's one of those things that it sneaks up on you it's kind of you know because it's a floating it's a floating date and then all of a sudden it's just this panic to um uh, get the kids kind of back back into their rhythm etc but yet you've still got this kind of um arguably the best part of of the summer you know in terms of in terms of less so for those listening in the northern hemisphere it would be kind of like um your kids go back to school in august which is the which is often the best part best part of the year so it's been a bit of a scramble uh, this week i think for for everyone lots of new starts lots of new new beginnings yeah for sure which is a good place to start for what was going on at the end of that storm. But yeah, definitely yeah, some tired legs out there as everyone's skating on scrambled eggs. <laughs> no doubt. Um, so it's nice to be here with you <laughs> at nice the end you. of the week. We're Friday. This will go out Wednesday, mm-hmm. um, our Wednesday at least. So here we are. We're going to be talking about conflict. Yes. And conflict with nature, which mm. for my mind is always a problematic statement. I feel like... But I, I wanted to foreground this conversation by saying, I don't like David Attenborough. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to channel David for there for a second. I, I was getting worried. That I think it's, uh, it touches on a point for me, but I think sometimes uh, conflict with nature for me brings up a very colonial or very like, like this, it brings up where we're going to go, which is a little bit around like man conquering nature. Mm. You know, that versus is an interesting one because it, it almost wedges as if you're trying to split a block of wood that was together apart. Yeah. Because I think they're two and the same thing in my mind. You mm. come of nature, you are of nature and you go back of nature, human nature, nature. It's there. Yes. But for a narrative and for the purpose of this, I think it's... It's very handy and a very good device to be able to understand where society's at in nature, where we are at as as individuals, and um, and had one other one, but I can't quite remember. <laughs> That's my right. thumb no. is going. That's um, right. Where technology's at in conflict with nature, I thought was an interesting yeah. one. Yeah, but I suppose speaking and paraphrasing from Neil Gaiman was nature. Conflict brings a character face-to-face with Mother Nature's power. Seeing a character respond to this, lay bare their deepest values, motivations, fears, leading to a rich, character-driven story. Hmm. So I think that's an interesting place to frame it rather than my um, problems with David Attenborough and anthropomorphism <laughs> of nature for the human character. I think it's a, it's a clever thing to do. Um, and whether you want to go down that track of exploring sort of where where you and I are at individually, relationship with nature, I don't yeah. correct me if we shouldn't, and then where society's at, is that changing? Where is it at? Where does it come from? And where's technology at? Cool. Some places to explore as we go through. S- sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. And to, to start off, I think 
so conflict with nature, you know, I think, you know, from what you've already shared, there's, there's this sense that, so man is active against something, which when you really step back from, from that, we're not, we're actually, we're part of, part of something. Now, what we do as being part of something is probably the bigger question to, to ask. But when you think about often how <clears throat> nature is betrayed, particularly in the way that we actually create narrative and the way that we try to understand nature is there's quite a few things you know that i i think are very problematic so when you when you look at it through the lens of kind of that it's often pinged in fear and this thing that can get get us and from even things from bushfires all the way through to kind of big waves it's always framed through this we have to be afraid of of this force that we don't necessarily under understand but the bigger question is why do we need to understand it to recognize that there's actually a force force there and do we actually need to fear it or do we need to just simply know that it's there and it can actually bring things to us and it's your point around the the kind of the david attenborough paradox is that we project um human sensibility and i think human behavior back onto something that we're actually a part of as if it's going to respond in a way that we <laughs> need to understand, which is, I think, where you're kind of, you're taking that point, not to bag out David. Yeah, for sure. I've always got bagged out from friends because people would put it up and I'd just go, oh, <laughs> no. And people never understood it, but I just find it very frustrating. I see yeah. it's, I see its purpose. It really helps people engage, but sometimes I feel like it helps engage in the wrong ways but it has narrative power which is what you're saying it creates documentary exactly but it's not documentative of actually what happened in that scenario yeah and it doesn't explore to your point about what that power is that we don't understand and and i suppose it's like a theme through a lot of our conversation our conversations is being comfortable with not necessarily having the answer is sometimes a very powerful standpoint to admit Mm. Um, but it doesn't make a good docker. <laughs> no. <laughs> and God bless the man, he's brought a lot of um, nature to people's eyes. But, yes. Um, and awareness and a lot of great work. But personally, I don't connect with the way he does it. But mm. narrative structure, it's very handy um, for people to see themselves reflected in because I think that's how uh, a very simple form of getting uh like empathy and connection with is is a strange way and then you can i suppose start to change the narrative is it a human is it something completely different and then you can start to play interestingly off the back of that narrative and really start to question at a deeper level what that is on a personal level um what that force is or what those values that you're seeing projected into nature what that is coming back and it's Mm. it's yeah it's a it's a space um so I suppose going off that structure that I was thinking about, how is your relationship changed, if at all, with nature over time? Mm. Is there any sort of like inside or something where you're like, oh, this happened and sort of made me feel this or appreciate nature for this or get angry or <laughs> yeah. want to climb a mountain and go... <laughs> <laughs> um. No, no, like I, I think 
I guess I kind of with with nature in its raw rawest form, uh, I tend to actually have you know a daily conflict with with nature. You know, I think living in you know in kind of in a rural context and kind of you know you're constantly battling nature as it as it stands. So I mean, I would say that I probably spend twenty five percent of my week. <clears throat> racing to stand still against a kind of a force a force of nature whether that's kind of you know dust everywhere through to kind of you know weeds growing etc but that's actually because i've created my own little vision of what that space should actually actually be really the nature has no thought of of me in that space but i have a thought of what i want nature to look like in that particular sphere and i think that's that's often something that um i actually reflect on but i think society at large kind of misses is that really it's the human energy put back into a space that broadly makes a space a space but when you find nature in an untouched form which is again quite rare um, because of the spread of spread of humanity is that it's also orderly in the way that it actually actually works and there there's not a sense i think there's just a sense of um a plan when you when you sit in those spaces so certainly kind of you know i'm not a i'm not a huge fan of kind of what i call like constructed nature which is kind of you know there's a lot of spaces now which are kind of like park based etc that have kind of been built by man for man i mean i think you just call those what they are which is it's a park it's a beautiful space but it's not dissimilar to the story i just shared someone is maintaining that and actually kind of keeping the forces of nature at bay in terms of that they have a sense of their own order and they're trying to kind of keep the forces the order of nature from necessarily taking over over that plan but when you step into somewhere <clears throat> completely untouched when you stand inside like a stand of trees that have you know always grown never been cut down i mean there's just an awe in terms of actually how those spaces truly work and how they're actually coming through and i think for from kind of our conflict as humans with nature is that the second we're in those spaces there's this sense of that we are minute right whereas when you sit in kind of things that we've created there's a sense that we are not we are actually we have a bit of power and an agency so like that's you know pat i mean i'm not sure what your thoughts on on that are but i think there's there is this duality in the human experience of nature for sure you touch on at the end a really nice piece around that um where you feel like you have a sense of agency and where you don't and i think that's a conflict that humanity's story that it tells itself and needing to control and that answer thing and mm -hmm. and sort of where it actually does sit within a broader context of being part of something bigger than itself but you remind me of a little puffer fish or a little fish <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> looking after its nest. Because even the way you say that, though, like, and I'm the same, it's, mm. it's, it's still part of that construct. Like, I'd like to think in a weird way, you're part of nature in that. You know, like, if it's that theory, you come of nature, like, mm. you interacting in that way is still very much part of nature. You're just an animal in there doing that. Yep. and interacting and you have that agency to want to keep the dust out you look at birds you look at different animals they do the same thing in their space um you just interact with that space like that yeah and have chemical grade weapons yeah you, <laughs> and hate leaves on your lawn but yeah. that's that's culture that's culture <laughs> that's, that's yeah. culture for you it's my own stuff yeah which is fine i've seen mm. that all around the suburbs <laughs> <laughs> it is very suburban isn't it i brought that with me yeah yeah but yeah um 
Yeah, it's good you say it. It's a, it's a funny one, the way we, we interact with nature. Personally, um, biggest interaction with nature is I've been through surfing, really, um, and, and different elements like that. And that's this weird feeling sometimes within myself where you're like, oh, I love you. And then just getting pounded and just being like, I don't give a crap. <laughs> Yeah. which i find really cathartic in a weird way it's mm. uh it's it's it is feeling that that you're not huge you're quite small for some reason i find that very humbling and very like when you're in the world of knowledge perpetual news feed everything everything feels massive and mm. like every move feels incredibly huge but when you go and feel it, you're small and tiny um i find that actually a very soothing yep. space and perspective to hold and carry because it gives perspective to where you are but you have relationship with nature um not a homeowner so i haven't quite got angry with the leaves i mm. can feel that coming on but um yeah interacting with it is it is a constant relationship and where you sit in always battling whether to step on a spider or not am i a buddhist am i not like family brings in different ideas around how you should interact just mm. due to where we live we got a lot of snakes we got kangaroos we got all sorts of things um mm. but really understanding what your role is and per on a personal level like where you fit in yep. um into that broader space is i suppose a constant evolving an evolving story watch this space <laughs> um and then as far as is society changing with its relationship with nature, with our broader narrative? So let's forget the personal there. That's just mm. a way to get in. But the broader narrative that exists around nature, we went there a little bit when we were talking about Tasmania climate and things yep. like that a few episodes ago. But that broader, I'm interested to get your perspective on where we are now with nature at a societal level uh, and has it changed much and is it going to be changing as we go forward, especially with sort of COVID, like it, mm. we jumped off last time saying it's a real opportunity to grow things. Um, is this, is there sprouts? Um, no, <laughs> no, I'd say there's, there's very few, there's very few sprouts. Um, but there is an opportunity to, I think, reflect and, and, and move on that. The, the reason why I say no, Whoa. I think is, it comes back to the first point I think we've we've been discussing is that we tend to project onto onto the natural world things that are of us mm -hmm. and I think for for humans it's really about accepting that we've already altered this place and that but we actually have to live now with the consequences of some of those decisions and actually understand that in in you know it's kind of your point about surfing so like a wave a wave doesn't care that you are on it but it's great to be on a wave right and that that's the relationship you care more about being there than the wave cares about you being on it you can extrapolate that out to to the earth right the earth was is going to be fine whether you know we could you know i could sit here and burn baby penguin tears for the next 50 years and the earth in the long term isn't going to mind it's just going to shrug us off as as it always has yes we might alter it somehow but it's still gonna gonna do something so nature in its broadest context is fine without us so i think a lot of why i kind of you know said no so vehemently off the top is that i don't think we accept that i don't think as humans we step back and actually accept that this world doesn't need us but we need 
it. So therefore, kind of <clears throat> rather than fear, to me, it's about awe. And, and that's the part that I think we've really lost. And I find it, you know, I, I really struggle with a lot of the the narrative around kind of climate and things like that. Like, yes, it's a huge issue and it's clearly it's a problem, but the narratives we construct around it that somehow by reducing emissions, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. There's still, there's no sense of awe of this place that we actually actually call home, right? There's, and that's what I find challenging is that without that, how do you ever act in a general way of revenance? I'm not talking about like return to earth and kind of, you know, um, mother nature is all, but what I am saying is having a sense of awe of the world that actually surrounds us. And that's what I find kind of, you know, even in COVID, it's like nature became entertainment. But I, you know, for me personally, you know, every place that I went for a walk and a hike, etc., I just saw more people trying to get their K's in, still kind of, you know, with their kind of um, AirPods in. I saw very few people kind of actually genuinely reflecting on the space that they're actually in. You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that is shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Your hosts, Patrick Beggs of Per Production, a production house that works with organisations to create media that strengthens culture and communicates that culture to the world. And Joe Rogers, CEO of The Contenders, a brand agency famous for crafting brands which deliver results for those who work for them, shop for them and support them. For more information, head to baupod.co. And if you find this podcast insightful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to our conversations. Well, we're predominantly city dwellers. Like that's yep. that's hitting a point. And to your point around getting that, or well, I think that's a deep one. And and on the climate, we've had conversations about this, and it's, it's you sum it up really well there. But in terms of that, David Attenborough, people getting in slowly, slowly. Maybe it's the optimist in me, but I feel like people were watching their first David Attenborough um, movie in lockdown in terms of clocking those k's engaging with nature because they had nothing else to do and people get so consumed in their own you know self sure. little puddles of society and social and the mud that goes with the way we live and the way we interact um for better or for worse so I sometimes look at that as it's incremental in terms of getting to that point of reflection. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. And that could, I agree with I agree with that. Yeah. I'm I'm I guess I'm optimistic in the sense that I think we'll solve it. I'm pessimistic in the sense that I I kind of think there's a bigger there's a bigger problem yeah. at, at play that we don't. Which often... is that point to yours that yeah. we did, the conversations around climate it is so hot at the moment. Mm. Um, excuse the pun around the fact that it's still ours to solve rather than ours to resolve inwardly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a, a good point. And we're not there. We're not there. <laughs> we don't even have that, that strand isn't even in the, um, in the dialect at all. It's, it's, or it's mm. completely the other way around where it's nature is, is all, is all. And yeah. Yeah, it's a hard space to exist and have a good conversation and proact like a, I suppose proactive in a way, because it really has to as a society reimagine the way we 
um, imagine ourselves back and that relationship sort of has to change at a yeah. cultural level. Yeah. And you make, you made the point before that I think is, is the most important part of all of this is that the conflict that we actually hold is it's ours. It's our conflict as, as humans in terms of kind of what kind of nature, you know, like a lot of people get uncomfortable in, in nature in terms of kind of like the, the silence, the kind of the isolation, like in true, true nature, as you should in, in that, cause that's kind of what, but most animals in that space kind of feel it's like you're trying to figure out where where things are and you kind of your senses are heightened etc but at a, at a societal level this conflict and the way that we portray kind of nature is something that we need to figure out and dominate a lot of human life has been about these struggles between us and the kind of the natural the natural world but what I'm, I guess I'm trying to stress in, in my point is that that's fine, but that's our conflict to, to understand. And then that, I think that unfortunately plays out in kind of the ways that we start to think about things like um, climate, because, you know, to your point around and kind of technology, Pat, like, because technology comes into that, yeah. if you, if you really think about it. So like, does technology also then play a role in our conflict with, with nature? For sure. I think it's like, it is that wedge in a way. Mm. It's saying that we're different. Um, a lot of the time I feel like it's being used as that, that wedge to try and separate, separate the two because it's sort of, it's been used as a demonstrative power to be like, we are conquerors of this is the way that you rule. You know, it is had that narrative behind. It isn't the healing narrative or it isn't the, you know, the bandaid or it isn't the, the remedy to bring the two back together it's always sort of driven further into that piece of wood and trying to split it now we're mm. off to mars but whether the earth is nature whether the space is nature it gets pretty esoteric um, and i don't think we need to go there we'll keep it earth bound for now unless yeah. you have a spaceship in your pockets <laughs> <laughs> no but it's just sort of like thinking what we're getting yeah. to that now there's so oh, much yeah. space junk like what is nature yeah. and like that is a valid question around because we're treating outside space as if it's um, our, our tip at the moment. But yeah. like, what is that? And what is our relationship to the whole? Is mm. it still a valid one? And it's still the same one. Yeah. Conquering, moving. We've got mm. weird ideas around um, unidentified objects like aliens. Yep. You know, UFO. What, what is that? It's all this construct. And I think we need to really think about what that is. Technology is always been that wedge, but I don't think it has to be. I think at the moment, speaking to different people around how they actually are trying to change that narrative and bring it into a understanding that we have changed the dynamics on this earth and it has it has been a cause of us. It's this animal that lives on it, has changed it to a degree, but what is our role now? How are we living all and how do we work with and mm. what does that look like we live in the cities as i would argue that the cities are still nature it's just very dominated by human constructs mm. and so what does that mean yep. and what is our relationship and how can technology there's two ways to take it because it interacts with our our dynamics the very like within ourselves like economy yep. society what does that look like tech's always selling more goods but it's also can solve problems and i think for my mind at least maybe it's some of the work that we've been doing there's some great startups that are actually trying to solve and hit that boundary of going we've fucked up hmm. 
Yep. How do we live with that? How do we change the way we're interacting? Because mm. it's the all piece. If we go full all and not realize where we are, like there's this, it has to be this balance between, you know, there's still agency to be able to respond and try and understand it. Um, but yeah, how do we try and live not in in more harmonious scenario with nature, with mm. that all piece of going, we don't fully understand it, but it's such a nice thing to try to. Yeah, and exactly. And it's constantly evolving. Mm. Is I think that piece, but it's not there, but I think it is in semicircles. <laughs> yeah, and the the thing about technology, just building on that, is so technology, arguably, if you take this idea, like, so if you kind of take the David Attenborough thing around, like, the rewilding of the world, which I agree with, that is, that is, what's implicit in that is that as humans, we can actually live within these confines broadly, um, because we now have the technology to, to do so. But it comes back to putting value on the actual wilding of those spaces to, to begin with, which is the point that I think he makes most um, strong, strongly through, um, you know, particularly when he speaks, not necessarily his documentary work, but that's what he speaks yeah. to, is this kind of this, just the implicit inherent value of nature, which, you know, I agree wholeheartedly with. But then technology becomes a big part of that solution. And that's, you know, kind of the opt the optimist in me sees that kind of, you know, ideas, whether they range from vertical farming to kind of um, rainwater harvesting to kind of these self completely self-sufficient, um, you know, cities that are starting to starting to emerge. That's where I think a lot of this will actually happen um, is at more of those urban kind of um, area levels. It's less kind of um, country based, but cities themselves can actually become self-sustaining. Now, that's great in a world where we are hitting kind of peak human in terms of just, you know, just sheer math tells you that our, our birth rates are declining. Um, therefore, we're going to hit the peak of kind of our population base. And a lot of that's to do with um, urbanization, um, smaller spaces, smaller families, dual incomes to kind of participate in these styles of economies is really, really broadly over the long term quite good for nature. But then it's solving the energy, food, waste dilemmas of these spaces and if they can become circular in how they actually work so that they can generate their own energy they can actually basically close their loops to the outside world then the question becomes what do you do with the rest of the space that you no longer need right as as, as humans because i think our footprint um to your point pat has become so big um through quite antiquated technology right when you really look at um like large-scale farming for example is arguably probably one of the most antiquated yes we've increased the amount of food that we can produce um and we've had to in terms of but we've done that in quite antiquated ways which is really about pesticide kind of um, yield but we're still planning stuff out under and hoping that the sun basically cooks it for us in terms of helps it to yeah. grow but there's other ways that technology now can actually do that well, we've got ourselves into a real interesting dynamic because topsoil is going to actually erode in 50 to 70 years. We're going to have none left unless we actually use technology, a better understanding of the way the world works, understand the all the power. But if we don't actually incorporate new ways of practicing and engaging, we're cooked. Yep. <laughs> so yep. it's an interesting paradigm. We're just on this train that needs to have new ways of thinking to engage. And I mm. think that understanding's there and and tech has to play a part. And to your point about urban cities, it's an exciting place. If we can close the loop, there's 
it's projects that really demonstrate that power of being able to close the loop and then also the the hard question is how much is it changing and there's different organizations now trying to figure out how hot a city is how to cool the city down because heat waves are coming um floods are coming what does that look like how do we live with these constant changing Mm. environments because that is what our future is going to look like so how do we do that in an urban how do we start to use some of the principles of nature um, to actually work with some of those natural events is is an interesting question and and fascinating to see how some of the smart clever people engage in that space and try and help solve some of those complex problems but on a broader interesting point is how does society respond to that is it going to be still this this question is the needle going to move to an oar or is it always going to be a paddle yeah yeah it's i mean it's no it's a it's a great it's a great question and i think you know and that's that's inherent in our conflict right so this this whole discussion around kind of what puts us into conflict with nature it's it's us nature is not really in conflict with us because it doesn't doesn't see us in in that manner but we are in conflict with it because we're we're broadly trying to use the earth to a means which of course every every species does you know even even you know your lowly kind of um, plant if left will try to dominate the ecosystem but there's some balance that comes back to that through whether that's kind of disease predation etc we're unique in that we've been able to step past that and have some form of understanding but what i think we've lost a little bit you know and kind of where to next is that this conflict with nature kind of lands also with it it's a conflict with each other um but they're they're broadly based in the same things which is about a lack of acceptance about that actually you know we are part of something not a part of something so well said and on that point i'm going to put a film in the show notes of this to just really show there's a great doco around mushrooms. Mushrooms are very much in the... They're coming back into the mainstream. They've always been there. And it's talking about microcilium sort of being... They're one of the first organisms to exist here. And they've been through all the, all the ice ages. They've been here before the crocodiles helped survive the crocodile. And yeah. it's talking about this thread that sort of... Um, it's always existed here and it very much makes you feel like you're a child of Mm -hmm. the way that this doco goes and explains sort of how that ecosystem works and how it sustains life through those really quiet introverted times for nature when the place is frozen to when it opens up and life springs forth and then also starts to change it's always in a state of change but the one constant is these microcilium that exist underneath there and it's a network it looks very much like the internet and it's weird what our technology is starting to look like is very much it always mirrors we start to see Mm. these parallels with the way we view nature and understand how complex and strange and wonderful it is this doco does a beautiful job of sort of making you feel part of a whole and making you sort of comfortable in that space so we'll link that and that was a great point joey awesome fantastic and then lastly to close it's you know when you kind of do look to the future i think you know the I often look at science fiction, you know, in in technology and it's, you know, as far as I'm aware, I've never seen in science fiction in our projection of what the future looks like anything that looks like earth in that it's covered with all of these different settlements it tends to be one planet and kind of like a big kind of city and then it's wild so that's maybe just an interesting reflection for us all as well is that this kind of this need to be everywhere perhaps in the future will be in less places, but actually kind of more densely um, 
gather together as as humans with a kind of wild world around us. For sure. Can I add one other point? You can. Yeah. Just, I always find that science fiction interesting. What interesting? Bridget Engler posted something the other week when we were all coming back into January, and it was she's a futurist, interesting lady, and she posted um, a story that was written a hundred years ago, and it was a projection around what we're going to look like now. And I thought it was had some great insights. Um, very sexist, very strange, but. It, projected into the way the future was going to look. And one of the big points that we want to build on from what you were saying is that they were thinking we we're going to have a bubble mm. around cities, which is sort of similar. And it was going to be a controlled environment. So this was a New York article. So the winter would would be bearable. People would be able to enjoy it. So it's pretty much like an aircon temp heating system, like a glass dome, Simpsons, if you will, like yep. block out the sun type vibe. But that was sort of reassuring. But that seems absurd, but it's still sort of there with the smart cities it's now that you're really right. sort of thinking about it. It's a, it's a space. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. All right. So next week, we'll kind of dig into conflict kind of between kind of each other. Is that so we've kind of done conflict with self and conflict with nature, but then we'll kind of start to talk about conflict amongst us as different groups of humans. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Thanks, Pat. Right, thanks, Joe. Thank you for listening to BAU Business as Unusual. Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's baupod.co.